0: hello hello welcome to historically badass broads i'm chloe and i'm Mora, and we are two historically badass broads are we
1: i feel like we're you know more... i'm not
0: sure i'm not sure no i, I, I like was it... trying something new i liked it no 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 i don't disagree with the sentiment
1: i think i wonder <laughs> if hmm Instead, we are badass we've been badass broads historically. Mm-hmm. It's I, don't I feel know. like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You I, know what I'm saying? I was gonna say, I don't know if we qualify as historical women. Therefore, can we be historically badass broads? But we right, have right, in right. our pasts, historically, we have been badasses.
0: It's true that we are on the younger side. <laughs> Though for many of the women that we speak of, I'd argue they have
1: full lives by our age. Oh, I don't disagree. Most of them have have done, I mean, just the level of accomplishments. Wild. I'm going to spiral if we keep talking about this. (laughs) Well, it's actually interesting. We begin with a slight philosophical discussion. Oh. Because this week... Are we talking about a philosopher? We kind of are. Oh. This week, this month... Oh yes, no, go ahead. Who do you think it is?
0: Are you kidding? I'm not going to guess. Oh,
1: okay. I thought you were. I thought you were like, is it blah? And I was like, no. Oh, I said, who is it? Who oh. this Technology. month? It is beautiful. We're going to talk about Laura Bassi. No
0: chance in heck. I was going to say that. Do you know the best part about this?
1: Month. I cannot believe you thought I was going to guess that name. Well, can I tell you why I thought you might have guessed it? All right. The reason I even chose this month's woman was because she was featured as a Google thing. Ah. Oh, and I was like, "Cool." I I saw the Google thing. I was like, "Who's that?" Clicked on it and was like, "She's awesome." And then all of a sudden I was doing a ton of research and I was like, "You should do her for the podcast." Oh, well, I I would have, but I only use Ask Jeeves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or bing i only use you bing. only use bing okay i'll work i'll work, You'll work that on that joke it? yeah I'll, I'll get back to you okay sounds good
1: but the ask jeeves was the better uh that was good if you're workshopping that one. joke and it's bing or ask jeeves it's ask jeeves 100 percent.
0: yeah i feel like maybe aol could have been a good one AOL or yahoo
1: would. yahoo answers right because that's no longer a thing right like a recent that was a wasn't that on the tiktok was like people going over oh was it i don't know my sister we are historically we are, we, i was gonna say this ancient. is improving, actually <laughs> uh, cementing in fact our status <laughs> so let's talk about laura bassi Yes, i'm not saying her name right she's italian she is i'm Ooh. sure it's like laura bassi or bassi or something like that um, bassi bassi with the soft b um mm-hmm. She is so cool. I'm like so excited to talk about her. Um I think one of the thing that was one of the things that was very interesting for me was I learned more about the academic situation of the 18th century, which is not something I had ever thought I'd learn more about, but here we are. Okay. And uh, like the setup of of academia and understanding women's place in that, I think was also very interesting. Um so yeah, let's let's say uh we're we're going to we're going to go to Bologna. Yum. I've been one of the most lovely cities. The food is unreal. Now I just want pasta. Um I believe it. Yeah. So Laura Bassi was born in 1711 and there's like four dates for her birthday, but the University of Bologna, who we will talk about of course. Um says that her birthday they agree that her birthday was on the 29th of october so we'll just go ahead and say that um they agreed (laughs) literally it says (laughs) scholarly works in the university of bologna agree on the 29th of october so
0: god i just love the thought of like 17
1: men sitting in a room being like yeah that's her birthday well if you love the thought of 17 men deciding what to do with women this is the episode for you yeah (laughs) yeah Here we go um so her father was a lawyer and his mom had an or his mom her mom uh has a name and that's exciting to me um normally we don't get names with women so
0: (laughs) what's the name
1: rosa maria cesare yeah that's a good name it's a solid name her dad's giuseppe of course my italian pronunciation borders on the offensive and i understand that um we
0: we never claimed
1: to know Italian.
0: No, no, we
1: do not. Um, disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. I took French and my accent is garbage. Um. So, so very quickly on, they knew that they had a really smart one with them in their presence. She, from like the age of five, was being taught Latin and French and mathematics, which is awesome. And the one thing I will say for Italy, that's very different from the rest of like 18th century Western Europe. I don't know that much about Northern Europe. I know more about Russia. Um, But even that does not follow this line of thought. Um, Women, there's a very interesting relationship between women and academia, um, which is obviously going to be part of this discussion of Laura Bassey, because. In France, of course, we had the saddle. We had the women who were able to host um, brilliant discussions of, of multidisciplinary, you know, minds and people, and and it was meant to be this uh, font of knowledge and exploration. And the woman was more the patron or host, and that seems to be a line of thought that runs throughout quite a bit of of Western Western Europe. Um, but what's interesting about Italy? And this is, of course, before Italy is Italy. These are all state, you know, separate kingdoms and little papal states and everything. Um, Italy actually has kind of a tradition of of women academics and there isn't the Salon tradition as much. So if women are intelligent and in having conversations, they're giving lectures or they're doing, you know, kind of, um, yeah, they're kind of doing things like that. So it, it's less of a, it's more of a, they're allowed a little bit further into the academic sphere. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I'm, I lost myself halfway through it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> no, can I tell you why? Sorry. I know. I know it's up. It's raining today kind of, and it never rains here. And I opened the window, which I shouldn't have done, but I'm just like, so happy it's raining. Um, okay. We're
0: doing a gosh darn podcast here, Mora. I didn't mean to look up. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> You are our guide through this lesson.
1: I know. And I said, I'm sorry. Did that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We good. Yes. yes okay. Yes. So she was taught by her cousin, father, Lorenzo Stegani. And, and then very quickly on when she was like 13, I think they are saying from when she was 13 to when she was 20, she was taught philosophy, metaphysics, logic, and natural philosophy by Gaetano Tacconi. I'm not saying that right. Tacconi, Tacconi. I think, I think, I think. The more you
0: try to do uh, like an Italian accent, the further we're probably getting from how it's
1: pronounced. <laughs> I have no doubt that's not going to stop me. Because,
0: um, uh, <laughs> yes, okay, what I,
1: okay, you, uh, listeners, you say this name: G A E T A N O. G A E T A N O. Mm-hmm. And last name: T A C C O N I. Isn't the double C a K? Again, I, I truly don't know. So that's my pronunciation of that name. If anyone has a I think just one. going forward, we just say the names. Gaetano we... Taconi. There you go. Why okay. Not? So, okay. So he's the family physician. He's a professor of medicine at the University of Bologna. And he teaches her. And what's re- what I love so much about this relationship is he's like her mentor. He's teaching her all these different things. But very quickly on, he's like, they start disagreeing about things. because So there's this big debate going on in um, the world at the time, and by the world, I mean Western Europe, about, mm-hmm. so Isaac Newton comes in and he's like, listen, I got a whole new idea about how the universe works. And everyone's like, mm, we don't know if we care. Um, but then it starts, of course, kind of filtering, and people begin to have a lot of debates. So she becomes a fervent Newtonian, and Taconi is obsessed with Mr. Descartes and the Cartesian teachings. So, you know, they start having falling outs because they're completely disagreeing on how the universe works. And I think what's interesting, and, you know, I was trying to do some research on the basis between a disagreement between a Newtonian and a Cartesian. And from what I understand, and it could be very little, um, is to me signifies a larger shift in the world of academia, which is before uh, the word scientist was not, it didn't exist. So a scientist came into play in like the mid 19th century. Like that word literally did not exist. So who, what did you call someone who studied natural sciences, right? You called them a natural philosopher. And I think that's a great way to think about it because their approach was philosophical, not necessarily scientific. So what you see with Newton is that he is removing himself from Descartes' more philosophical teachings and he's saying, no, 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 I have math that backs up my theories. And Descartes mm-hmm. is like, God does mine. So you you have slightly different approaches. They're, they're talking about the same things. But what I love is that she's able to have this kind of discourse with this very learned man. And it's just kind of okay.
0: Um, it feels like a really academic version of kids liking rock and their parents thinking it's the devil's music
1: i mean exactly but also newton newton of course he did in, incorporate elements of religion into his theories because you couldn't at the time there was no language to discuss them separately but
0: yeah absolutely i think i meant more yeah. more just like no the rebellious I, teen aspect but it's with philosophical teachings no. instead no i
1: got and i agree completely i think you know a cartesian would say like I know what a tennis ball is made out of. I know what a racket is made out of. I know who I am. And therefore I know what's going on there. But a Newtonian would be like, yes, but what is the racket doing to the tennis ball? So what is the force that's being exerted on the tennis ball? Mm -hmm. So the action, it's that kind of idea. So it's, again, it's a shift, I think, from a purely philosophical debate to a more uh, scientific one, we're starting to see that. And that made a huge impression on Laura, huge. And she started becoming really well-known for this. And so the man who eventually became the Archbishop of Bologna and later a Pope was Prospero Lorenzini Lambertini, which is a great name. Love it. Lorenzini Lambertini, just, it flows off the tongue. Um I'm legally changing my name to that tomorrow. Oh, excellent. Um Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No worries, Lauren Lorenzini Lambertini. Um feels it so, feels so right. I love that for you. Um Thank you. So he became her official patron because he saw and heard her debates. He'd go to her house and basically like her family were was hosting like little discussions where people would be like, Ooh, look, a woman has opinions. Um and basically like a circus. A little bit, yeah. And that that Mm -hmm. will come into play more. Um, So what's interesting, I think, is then he becomes involved and he arranges a public debate between her and four professors from the University of Bologna in April of 1732. She's 20.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it goes over so ridiculously well that she's encouraged to write 49 theses on philosophical studies. She publicly defends them publicly, which is what you kind of had to do, and the University of Bologna awards her a doctorate degree on the 12th of May, 1732. The very first woman to ever receive a doctorate in science, and the second woman ever in the world to receive a philosophy doctorate. Heck yeah. And I think it was just, I think there was absolutely an element of the strange in that, right? She was this, this thing that was kind of like, wait, what is happening here? But she became more than herself. She was known as the Bolognese Minerva. She was this kind of semi-mythical creature of this woman. And she was also the first woman ever elected to the Academy of Sciences of the Institute of Bologna. And... That's so cool. It is so freaking cool. And what I I love is that... And this is something we're going to see throughout the rest of her life. She just does what she wants and she stands up for herself in such a meaningful way. And you don't really see that. I mean, again, it's, it's not that it's a woman I'm I'm blaming like a woman for not doing it for herself, but a lot of the times women weren't even in a position where that was a possibility, but she was. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And so, you know, I think what's so fascinating too, is that she ends up, wanting to become a teacher. Um, And so there was a very, there's a very complex social structure in the world of academia now, but also back then. And what Mm -hmm. they did is the men effectively, when they offered her a position, it was more of a token offering. So she was meant to give a, speech, a lecture if special guests came to visit and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So she was not meant to be um, an actual lecturing professor. Um, and the men who were a part of that actually debated her like status for I think, what was it? It was deliberations about her position began on the 25th of August and concluded on the 29th of October, 1732. So for how many months they were debating what to do with her and in a quote, they gave gave her an annual stipend of 100 scudi. I don't know what that's worth now. And it's Mm -hmm. on the condition, however, that she should not read in the public schools, except on those occasions when her superiors commanded her because of her sex.
0: Do we know what the main issue would have been?
1: She's a woman.
0: Right. But if they're willing to award her a doctorate, like what's the difference between breaking the boundary by awarding her a doctorate and
1: breaking a boundary by allowing her to teach? I think at that time, there was a big difference. I think it was ceremonial. I think it was meant to be a cultural thing. They were very proud. It was when she got her degree, literally, they gave her a ermine encrusted coat, and she had a silver laurel wreath put on her head. And it was this truly ceremonial scenario. And I think it was so interesting. And she, what I I think is most interesting is that she seems to have been acutely aware of her position, and the fact that they wanted it to be ceremonial. And she had no she had no intentions of remaining simply ceremonial. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And then later you'll see a bunch of men going like, Oh, she wants another raise. And it's like, yeah, she works hard. Um, (laughs)
0: Like,
1: don't they? Wouldn't,
0: wouldn't you? Don't they
1: want to advance their careers? (laughs) Literally. So she's known as like, yeah, the Bolognese Minerva. She is a most learned virgin. Her status as an unmarried woman is of course, very important. And she quickly goes, I don't fucking care about that. I want to get married. So she marries a man named Giuseppe Veratti. Very cool. And so they got married and everyone was like appalled that she got married. They literally said it denigrated her position. It was an insult to science because she was no longer pure. And of course, women can't have sex and um, still keep a brain. So that was uh, deeply upsetting to most people, but their marriage seems to have been literally a meeting of the minds. Um, and he was a doctor of medicine and a lecturer in anatomy at the university of Bologna. And they seem to have, you know, like I said, just a really semi equitable relationship. Um, they, some say they had 12 children. Some say they had oh. eight. Um, oh. Only five of them lived to adulthood. Oh, But uh, that's still a ton of kids.
0: It is a lot of children. A lot yep. of children. I wonder if they're all little brainiacs running around.
1: Well, her son, um, Paolo, became a doctor and a professor of experimental physics. Mm-hmm. And yep. what? her only daughter who lived to adulthood became a nun. And two of her other sons um, became, like, canons in the church. Oh Okay. But again, science and religion are not separate at the time. Right. So that's not that odd. Um, so her theses, when she would defend these theses, basically what you, that's what you would have to do. You would write a thesis and then you'd have to defend it. And that was a form of education. That was a form of allow, basically keeping your tenure. Um, and she covered like chemistry, physics, hydraulics, mathematics, mechanics, techniques. She covered... Um, She became very well known for her discussions on electricity. And she was a huge, fascinated with Benjamin Franklin and his research. And Mm. so she became like one of the first Franklinian kind of physicists. Um, And so she was mostly honorary, but then became a salaried lecturer and started giving more public lectures. And additionally, she said, you know what? You're not going to let me do it. And you're not going to let me start teaching more. I'm going to create, I'm going to start doing private lessons at my home and I'm going to start teaching people individually. And she basically like does that. She starts, she, she and her husband set up a lab effectively. And um, she ends up just kind of creating her experimental World. And what was really interesting, and I didn't know this at the time, like there wasn't, there was a separation between physics was seen as theoretical. There was really no experimentation that was happening. But she, that's what she did. She was the one who was one of the ones who was pushing for an experimental approach and an experiential approach to um, physics and to science. And so Mm -hmm. this. She would constantly was trying to get funds for experiments at her home for new lab you know, lab equipment and everything like that. Um, and so it it's just, it's this fascinating thing where she just kind of makes her own little world where she's able to do that. And I love that. Um, and so she had this, this environmental salon and it was great she submits a request for a salary increase and she also said at the same time she thinks that the parameters of her her duties are too small and that they should be expanded she was granted an increase of 160 lira and the restrictions placed on her public teaching because they didn't want her to publicly teach were reduced so she's fighting for it and she's kind of winning huh i know and her her
0: Private teachings are a source of income as well? Or? Yep. Huh. I know.
1: And Pretty cool. And she she still, though, was like, I'm still not treated the same. I'm still not able to do exactly what I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But she is becoming extremely well known throughout Europe. There's this woman, you know, who's a professor. And again, it is it's a sense of the circus like oddity. It's this like, what? And people wanted to come see her, but Really impressive people came to see her. And of course, Mm -hmm. she was still enjoying Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The patronage of Lambertini. And he became an archbishop. And they're saying, it's interesting, a lot of articles give him all of the credit, which I don't disagree that he should be given credit. And here's here's why I'm going on a little tangent about this, because he came home to Bologna and said, we need to make, the University of Bologna had fallen in its status and he wanted to make it the learning center of Europe once more. Um, and so that was his goal. And so when he heard of this woman who was brilliantly debating people in her father's home, he was like, let's see her in public. And then of course it was, let's promote her. And so that's, those two are absolutely linked. And she would have been, I don't think without his influence, she would have ever become a professor. I don't know if she even would have ever been granted a doctorate, hmm. but I'm not giving him all the credit. I won't do it. <laughs> I can't. We can't. We can't. It physically This isn't the
0: podcast for that.
1: No. Yeah. Well, and also again, so many of the stories I've read about her have been her push and What she does is she uses. There's like an intermediary before between them. Once he becomes pope, obviously he's very important, Um, Mm -hmm. and so she is constantly writing to the guy, the intermediary, going like, "Hi, can the pope do this for me? Hi, this needs to happen. This is unacceptable." Blah blah blah. So you know, I it's not like she's just like this amorphous being who's being granted things. She's absolutely an agent in her own creation of, of her own kind of creation and, and I think that's very important um, absolutely. and so there's this thing I did not know about which is absolutely wild in Bologna called the carnival anatomy what do you think takes place there
0: uh it's a uh, black market style selling of organs on the street okay organs are involved
1: not black market <laughs> <laughs> I like where you're going <laughs> Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Write uh that idea down for something else. Sure, Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, so the Carnival Anatomy (laughs) was a public dissection anyone could buy tickets to. And it was a major yearly thing that the university did. And a bunch of people came to watch it from, like, all over. And she was one of the central people who was, like, expected to be there as a member of the university. So you know was
0: it i mean was it students or people anyone interested anyone could it's, go it's really just your everyday mm-hmm. event
1: like what's great. that it's an organ
0: no i love that that's i know great. it's so interesting but she, they, i wonder if they were like teaching while they were doing it yeah they were oh cool there is a maybe image, that's
1: useful there's an image of it that i'll i'll get that like has her there wild
0: I depending on how graphic
1: I might not need that image it's not an it's not great it's like an old sketch all right great don't worry it's like an etching that's been like copied 12 different times out of books and I can barely uh, see it and I'm like oh but look yeah sure send <laughs> that my way <laughs> so yeah so she started getting lessons in 1759 um, she's been trying to teach from I think yeah around 1732 She started giving yearly lectures and she again was continuously fighting for equal rights to the male teachers. And the university was like, but you're a woman. And she's like, no, I don't care about. And that's really where her school took off. And um, around 1760s, this is when she started getting really involved with experimental research in electricity and Mm -hmm. At that point, she'd been a teacher for like thirty years. So, she's been a teacher on Newtonian physics, and she was actually one of the main proponents of Newtonian physics. Like the reason Newton is Newton and became so revered is because she promoted his teachings. Um, and at the time, to- oh, this was another aspect of of physics. At the time, you were when you would write a thesis. You weren't really meant to create your own new ideas. You were more meant to um, espouse and understand ideas that already existed. But she wasn't interested in that as much. She wanted to do experiments. She wanted to learn more. Mm -hmm. And so she's, I think she was the author of over 28 papers in her lifetime, No books of hers were published, and only four of her papers were ever actually printed. We don't really have any of them, unfortunately, left. I think there's one. Um,
0: Is that because people didn't want her to be a published author as well? I mean, is that purposeful, or did she just not put anything into print?
1: It was definitely... I think, a purposeful thing for the men. There was absolutely an aspect of it. Um, it, I think she just kind of saw that it was not really worth it to attempt to publish. It it just became... It just wasn't as noteworthy to her. It wasn't as important as her own work. Mm -hmm. The idea of trying to get it disseminated was less important than trying to do the work herself. Totally. Which is interesting because of course that's entirely foreign to us in the, like our scientific, our approach in scientific academia. Now um, it's all about like, I had it first. I had the first idea, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to publish it now. Um, and, and that's not really the case for her. And I think it was just one battle that she was like, you know what? I don't have time for this. Hey, fair enough. She She's seems to know herself very well. Eight to twelve children. She's running her own school. She's also a professor. <laughs> she has to do She's all these... She's also a genius little mastermind. Exactly. Like, lots of stuff's going on. Um. So, 1745, I'm, I know I'm kind of skipping around, but I think it, it's just research about her life is hard to find, kind of. Um... So 1745, the Mister, La- your namesake, Lorenzini Lambertini, becomes Pope.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And he wanted to, again, really promote uh, the university. And so he created something called the Benedettini, which would be a group of 24 people, men, who would receive a 50 lira stipend on the condition that they present one dissertation a year describing the results of new work. And she got a list, she got a hold of a list of those 24 men and was like, literally, hold on, I have this letter. She says, it's, this is the letter she writes to the intermediary, um, to the Pope. And she goes, I know I'm not among the nominated and I'm glad not to be when placing me there would have resulted in the exclusion of some of those who are there and deserve such an honor more than I do. Yet it would be arbitrary of his holiness to place me in the series as I was placed in the university that is, as an extra. Here is the deception that I beg of you in all secrecy, with the confidence that our holiness wishes to maintain, it is worth saying the good opinion that he has of me, which exists only by his bounty. On this occasion, you can help me, and no one better than you can insinuate to his holiness to give me some reply. She's great. She is great. And she's, again, basically, What what's this other letter? He says... Um, I don't know if I can do it and she goes I would not have been able to procure this honor for myself without a trace of presumption. Um and she got herself added to the list. They made a nice. 20 they made a 25th member and yeah. she was absolutely added to the list. Um and I love that so much. Um
0: she I feel like she would have been really good at asking
1: For a promotion in today's world. 100%. And that's exactly what I mean. It's just like, she had no qualms saying like, no, this is, I deserve this. Thank you. I work hard. I mean, people struggle with that today. Exactly. That's why I kept reading this stuff. And I was like, holy cow, look at her go. Truly love that for her. Yeah. Most of the men were really pissed off. Of course. Um. And she was not given any voting rights, unlike the other men in the group. But she was in it.
0: You win some, you lose some, I You guess. win some, you lose a lot. Um, <laughs> you win some that should have been there for you in the first place, and then you continue to lose as
1: well. Story of women. Um, <laughs> and she keeps getting raises. By 1760, she's earning 1,200 lira annually, which is more than anyone including the president of the university was making. And that's because she continually asked for, to be rewarded for what she did, not rewarded Mm -hmm. just what she earned, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think she was just this, Oh, what amazing, what an amazing woman. Um, In 1772, the professor of experimental uh, physics at the Institute died. And, her husband was his assistant and so logically he would be the successor she however said no no you should promote me i should be i should be the professor i should be the head of physics and mm-hmm. in 1776 she's 65 years old she's appointed as the chair of experimental physics by the Bologna Institute of Sciences, and her husband is a teaching assistant. What? Yep.
0: You know what? I know we we don't love giving props to the men in these stories, but I kind seems okay. To. I really have I to. Kinda, I kind of like this guy. I love him. I'll say it. Me too. Good for him. She sounds like she's aging like fine wines. Oh, God. Yes. So love that for her. I love that 65 for- is pretty old in, in those days, question yeah, mark. she's not done. All right.
1: All right. And uh, so here's the thing, though, right? So she's yeah. constantly asking for what she's due as a human being. Um, and the men are slowly going like, whoa, what have we done? We let a woman in. And here we go. So they basically were, this is, I think, an excellent example of tokenism. Where after her death, which I will get to, after her death, it becomes very clear that they're like, "Uh, there shouldn't be a woman. The the 25th position in the Benedettini was retired. Hmm. And I read this really fantastic article, and I'm going to quote it now. It says, having discovered how far an ambitious and persistent woman like Bassi could insinuate herself within the structure of the Institute the male members of its academy were noticeably reluctant to allow another woman such latitude. Yet, not until the end of the 18th century did they consider the possibility that an ideal scientific society should be a world without women, Hmm. which is something that the French and English had discovered over 100 years before.
0: I mean, just goes to show how much she was able to accomplish that they felt that threatened that oh. more women would be able to accomplish just as much it's my favorite thing is when little men feel threatened like that the yeah, only but issue it's is sad when they then say, get their way I was about say, the it. only issue yeah. with that
1: is just that then they get to act out and it becomes a, an oppressive institution <laughs> once more i know but it is entertaining when they're like oh
0: no a lady is smart um it's entertaining when we look at it from right now. Yeah, exactly. It's not entertaining back then, I'm
1: sure. Um <laughs> she had correspondences with Voltaire and Cesare Baccaria, and just like oh the coolest people, Alessandra Volta, who discovered batteries. And one of her cool. most famous students was Lazzaro Spallanzani. And He basically basically started up the theory that would allow Louis Pasteur to to get rid of like the idea that organisms develop from inanimate matters, and so he basically also discovered like in vitro fertilization. Ooh, that's a a cool one. One of her most famous students, and Hmm. so you know she has this unbelievable legacy. Voltaire once wrote to her saying, quote, there is no Bassi in London and I would be much happier to have, to be added to your Academy of Bologna than that of the English, even though it has produced a Newton.
0: Aww, that's sweet. I know.
1: Voltaire. Um, <laughs> she had a ton of poems written about her. And on the 20th of February, 1778, at the age of 66, she passed away. And, Uh, per usual people are like it's because she was pregnant so many times which definitely could have been the case because of course healthcare was not excellent um Mm -hmm. people are saying she had maybe a heart attack but she had slowly deteriorating health um Mm -hmm. she had her silver laurels placed on her head she was paid tribute by members other members of the Benedictina who immediately of course were like ah no women um she had a marble statue made of her Effigy and placed above A room at the institute There's a medal that was issued That says I don't understand the importance of this It has Bossy on one side and the other side It says only you can see Minerva Whatever Um, I'm sure that's wildly flattering Whatever it means Again, I have no doubt Um, (laughs) Uh, My favorite thing is that a 31 kilometer Crater on Venus has her name Ooh Yeah
0: that's how you know you've made it big time, I know
1: um there was a icebreaker research ship that was named the Laura Bassey
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's a Laura Bassey scholarship that the editing press gives to junior academics, which I love, so I love that as well. She left this you know unbelievable legacy. she was this not quite human creature right who who was like a Minerva, this, this virginal status until she wasn't and, and was held to be this, this figure of enlightenment and science. And I mean, again, like she was working with Benjamin Franklin, kind of like she was working through his assistant who came to visit her and what, or not, maybe not his assistant, but one of the people who worked with him. And she was instrumental in the founding of experimental physics and experimental science and mm-hmm. she pub- she wrote and disseminated a great deal of knowledge that unfortunately we don't have a ton of. But the reason for her dissemination, of course, was that she would give these public lectures, which is something she was supposed to only have been allowed to do once a year. And uh, she was like, no, I'm not just a figurehead. You know, she was, she was I think, promoted. She was meant to be this like, look, we did it. We promoted a woman. But she constantly mm-hmm. was like, yeah, and I'm not just this token I am I am not a ceremonial creature I am a living breathing professor who wants to be that um I think what's interesting is you end up seeing of course after her death she ends up kind of becoming ceremonial again I think with the things named after her and everything but I just kind of love that there are things named after her so I can't decide how I feel about it um why not yeah it keeps keeps the uh her legacy alive and and I think one of the things that's very interesting to me and this is something I read in the article that really made me think was although she was so important in introducing Newtonianism, Franklinism, Mm -hmm. experimental philosophy, she is best remembered because of her exceptional circumstances, not because of her ideas. That's pretty cool. It's cool, but it shows how much more work there is to, go, And it's the same, I think it's the same thing we see kind of now, where we're like, look, it's the first woman, blah. And yes, that's important. We celebrate, we move forward, but I'm more interested in what that woman's doing. Right. Rather than her status as, you know, this exceptional creature. Um, Not to say that both are not important, and should absolutely be pushed and celebrated and, and expanded upon. But I think, you know, she was still a novelty. And I think it must've been very frustrating to fight so hard to be taken seriously and to be kind of taken seriously, but never quite fully taken seriously. That must be so annoying. But, you know, again, she, she remains as this enduring image of female academics Um and and an inspiration to later women. Um, And I think that's absolutely something to celebrate. And I was so excited to learn about her and, oh, just like, what a badass, truly. Truly a historically badass broad, if I do say so myself. I recommend you can, I think Stanford has some of her letters and such. Her husband has a journal because I cannot read Italian. I can't read it, but they have it. And it's all been digitized. So you're welcome, of course, always go and try and learn never, more. Never been translated? Um, No, I don't think so. I couldn't find a translation. If someone found one, let me know. I'd love to read it. Um, huh, Cool. But it was just in Italian. I got really excited. I was like, maybe it's in Latin and I can use my really, really bad Latin and kind of get through it. And then it was fully in Italian. And I was just like, Also, it's in 18th century, like handwriting, which is really beautiful, but I can't read that well. And it was like 18th century Italian where I'm just like, "Ah, I can't, I can't do this.
0: Yeah, but I don't think anyone expects you to be able to read that.
1: (laughs) I expected me to be able to read that. Yeah, I I could hear I could hear that in your voice. (laughs) And there's the problem.
0: Um, Hi, there's the rub. indeed, Indeed.
1: But
0: yeah, so just like, the coolest lady very cool lady thank you for bringing her to our collective conscious today i'm
1: i'm just so i'm so giddy that i got to read about her
0: this makes me want to go study something she'd love that (laughs) yeah she'd love that for me i think she would (laughs) i'm not kidding i know no i know that in your name change go find a textbook Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean good yeah i do have to go to to the courthouse tomorrow for that yeah other than that miss lambert i'm sure they Lambertini. can squeeze me in <laughs> yeah yeah it will work it out i'll i'll create a signature martini cocktail based on my new name it'll, it'll be a whole celebration it but, should um, yeah. um
1: include an electric shock in honor of her oh although <laughs> the first lecture she ever gave was called de aqua corpore naturali elemento Aliorum corporum parte universi latin which is effectively that's wa- catchy. water as a natural element of all other bodies. So your cocktail could just be water. It's tempting. Oh, the, also, the
0: ease with which I could do that is pretty
1: tempting. I forgot to mention, she was like well known for just discoursing with people in Latin. And everyone's like so impressed with like the facility with which she spoke in Latin. I'm obsessed with that. I think that's so cool.
0: That probably added to the public spectacle aspect. I it? am sure, but I still love it. <laughs> oh, no, it's very cool. I'm still here for it. Very much here for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, thanks again. Thank you, guys. Right in. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Discuss tell her. Us, uh, tell us how you feel about her through an Apple podcast comment. <laughs> 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 through a review. If it's positive, you can leave a review. Yeah. If it's negative, oh, I think the review box is broken. I don't, oh, I don't no, think we can type in. Can oh, that. Ah, only positive ah perfect (laughs) um we're fine and instagram historically badass broads what else are we supposed to promote i think those are the two right we have a gmail
1: that you can write in questions too
0: yeah sure email us why not
1: go crazy have fun yeah send us recommendations and i'm happy to answer questions or to engage in discussions about our women and i know chloe is too so let's, let's Let's talk about them more because that's the way we get to know about them
0: more. Love that. And we'll see you in a month. Bye. Peace.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.